High Noon. This is News Talk. Yes, you are listening to High Noon. Kieran Cudahy with you until two o'clock. Now, colouring books have long been associated with children, and yet over the past few years, more and more adults have started taking up this hobby. Proponents of this trend say that colouring offers adults a lot more than just a fun afternoon. I don't. Would anyone agree it was a fun afternoon? I think playing it a bit fast and loose with the word fun there. They can also benefit our mental health, they say. I'm joined on the line now by shamanic psychotherapist and the author, Abby Wynn. Abby, you're very welcome to the programme. Hi, Kieran. Hope you can hear me. I'm in County Clare looking at the sunshine going, wow, it's so different from yesterday. I'd say, yeah, big difference. <laughs> yeah, it has you much damage down there? Well, I haven't, I have to be honest with you, I haven't really left my cottage because I came down here to write. And so I'm thinking, let them clear the roads today and I'll finish the work and then I'll go tomorrow and hopefully it'll be grand. Abby, <laughs> I have to ask you before I talk about colouring books, what's a shamanic psychotherapist? Well, psychotherapy is working with the mind and the brain and the thought patterns and the logic. But we're more than that. We are made of emotions and we have a subconscious mind. So for me, the shamanism is working with the energies behind the thoughts. You know, when somebody tells you something, but they haven't really gone to the depths of it. If you ask anybody you meet on the street, how are you feeling? And they say grand. And then you say, but how are you really feeling? and getting them into the body, into the feelings and the sensations. And a lot of people are doing that, but the shamanism, the magical aspect, is the ability then to transform from the subconscious and have the ripple effect going up to the conscious and to the mind and to the logic so we can transform ourselves working both ways. You know, like dream interpretation is your subconscious mind telling you something. So the work I do is you telling your subconscious mind something. And uh, it's great then you have two-way communication. So and, I hope that makes sense. <laughs> and does, does, does uh, colouring uh, coloring in, does that satisfy my subconscious shaman? I wouldn't say so, but it's a really great way to calm down aspects of you that might be freaking out over something or, or to let go of the thinking of anxiety, pull yourself out of a problem that you know, let's say over an evening, there's nothing you can do about it. So rather than get caught up and agitated in something else, like in the television, you can get caught into characters and drama. And it's the same type of energy, maybe, as the problems that you've been going over. So you're not actually getting any ease from that. Whereas the coloring can just break you from the agitation and bring you into a softer kind of an energy where you can allow yourself to unpack and unfold and relax. You actually get some some decent relaxation from it. So is it about the content of what you're actually doing or is it just the effect it has you know could it be anything else that just gets you kind of I suppose out of the here and now well you know mindfulness in itself is about understanding and accepting the fact that our minds are made to think we're wired to think. We can't stop thinking. And to go from heavy, heavy thought process into a meditation where suddenly you're supposed to think about nothing, people just don't have success with that. But mindfulness is bringing your full attention and all of your thoughts into something in the present moment. So doing Sudoku or a crossword puzzle or fixing something or painting is similar. And coloring is another tool that you can use to do that. So it's, it's about paying your full attention to the colors you're choosing, to the image in front of you, and not thinking about stuff that isn't happening now. So it's just distracting yourself, really, is it? 
Well, it's not distracting in that you're using it to not look at a problem or an issue. It's pulling yourself out of an energy, out of a thought process that isn't helpful. So in a way, I mean, you're distracting yourself from what your mind is doing, but you're not ignoring it. You're bringing your mind in because I think everybody can agree that once you're calmer, you can look at problems in a different way. And the solutions come to you when you're not caught up in the energy and and, and the agitation. Yeah, okay. I was going to ask you that. It's not about ignoring a problem. It's about maybe, I don't know, parking it or coming at it from a different angle. Is that it? Well, do you know what I say to people? Write down a list of everything that's bothering you. And if you don't have the solutions there, you can acknowledge, yes, this is a problem. Yes, I have to do something about it. Maybe I'm not able to come up with the solution tonight. Maybe I'm not able to come up with the solution in my current state of mind. So I will actively park it there, walk away, have a cup of tea, do a bit of coloring or whatever it is that helps you relax. And when you're more relaxed, when you're not thinking about it, then usually that's when the solution pops in. And this is a really well-acknowledged way of finding, you know, solutions to complex problems. Many, you know, like Einstein comes to mind straight away. When he was stuck on something, he'd go and play his violin. He wasn't ignoring the problem. He was just changing the environment, changing his sense of, of, of sensibility, for want of a better word. So that when he wasn't connected in a worry, then suddenly he'd figure it out. And so for cynics like me, uh, don't uh, don't kind of look down your nose at it. This is actually a kind of a way of of if you've got a, a real problem that you're tackling, this you know isn't avoiding tackling the problem. It's actually tackling it in a much better way. Well, you know, there's lots of different ways you can approach coloring. So coloring in itself is another <laughs> is another topic, you know. But if you're if you're consumed by thoughts and you decide, right, I'm going for a walk or I'm going for a run you can still be running or walking and consumed by those thoughts. Whereas if you decide, right, I'm going to do something like like coloring, I'm not going to worry about coloring in the lines. I'm just going to enjoy the flow of the choices of the colors that I'm choosing. You know, when you look at coloring books now, there's levels of complexity that can make coloring actually something that you need to pay attention with. You know, you can get into something that's a fabulous mosaic of patterns and colors that helps you forget, you know, all the issues and brings you into that more relaxed space. All right, Abby Wynn, who's a shamanic psychotherapist and an author, and she's based in Dunleary, but at the moment, as she said, she's down in West Clare looking out at the sunshine, big change from yesterday. Abby, thanks very much for speaking to us. It is just gone uh, 1.46 here on High Noon. And Barry Kenny uh, from Irish Rail has joined us in studio. Barry, you've been all over the world for this show. Not too far this time. Not too far this time. Say domestic. I was actually there the weekend. Uh, oh, just count, this weekend gone. County Mayo, uh, there for a cousin's wedding, in, uh, uh, actually. Uh, but... As you say, kind of, we do cover lots of places, but this was basically my first holidays along with Cork. My my father's from Mayo, my mother's from Cork, and being back there, and you know, back there several times since. Yeah, I mean, Mayo is uh, is really quite stunning in, in a very stark, dramatic way in 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 certain parts. I mean, both coastline and the mountains. And but also has you know, there's a lot to do. There's a lot of great towns, uh, starting with Westport uh, itself, which I think you know there are, there are other Irish tourist towns, and we won't name them specifically, but their their popularity, their expansion, and almost their ruthless pursuit of tourism has probably detracted a little bit from their charm. But I don't think Westport has fallen into that trap. It's still a very manageable place. Is that just by accident? It's so far away. I it, it could it could be, but they're just I mean it it, it feels like. Some 
somewhere that's at ease with itself, that, if you like, enjoys its own facilities rather than it being something that's specifically constructed for the tourists. And, you know, the, the, the main streets, Bridge Street is the heart of the action with the restaurants and bars. And again, a bar that could easily tip into infamy is, is Matt Malloy's. Yes. Which everybody who's been to Westport knows. But it retains this ability to uh, appeal, I think, to local people, to visitors, both from Ireland and from around the world. Like, I ended up in uh, Matt Malloy's on, on Friday evening, uh, running into two American tourists who had climbed Croke Patrick that day, who yeah. were desperately searching for uh, accommodation for the evening and just getting into the spirit, relaxing into it. In fact, one of them uh, decided to outsource his Tinder to me. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, how did that go? Forget the rest well, of well, it. <laughs> my, my wife was reassured at how unfamiliar I appeared to be, <laughs> appeared to be with this. I bet you it's great fun, though. Um, Isn't it great? It's great fun to play with someone else's Tinder. Well, I mean, this is a guy in his mid-20s and he's outsourcing it to a, a person in his mid-40s or whatever. So I don't know quite what uh, I did or did not do All right. uh, for him on the particular uh, on the particular evening. But going, I, I mean, as I say, you've, you've got the main bar there, you've got the traditional music, you've got the live music. Um, McGing's is a great pub yes. just up the street absolutely brilliant absolutely, pub with like yes. I think the Sacred Heart and the Pope and JFK up on the wall <laughs> lovely pub they, they really are and, and, and just quite a few like that and great restaurants there was a place at uh, Keen's um, which is number one I did my typical look at TripAdvisor and went to the number one restaurant really really good restaurant as well and lots of good spots to eat then you go out to Westport House and I mean you know the, the setting there I mean the setting for just so much in, in Mayo I think is extraordinary and it was I suppose the origins date to the 1500s and uh, where the, the pirate queen Grania Wales yeah. in Somali had uh, one of her many castles and even before its restoration the ground's magnificent but now you've got all the various you know, the, the manor home that it is and things for families like the Pirate Adventure Park like the Westport Train Tour uh, Is it still a, a home or was that up until relatively recently the family were some of them were still there? I do not know that but I'm, obviously the manor home there's, there's quite a lot of the rooms that are restored now yeah. and, and allow people to, to visit and to tour so again Everybody needs an indoor activity when yes. you're visiting Ireland, particularly the Western Seaboard. Uh, and uh, that is what what you have there. On the opposite side, you have Croke Patrick itself, uh, obviously. I never went up and I've been to Westport a couple of times and the weather's just been too inclement. Well, I was hoping you were going to cover for me there because I haven't <laughs> you been didn't up bother either. I haven't been up either. Now, what I have actually <laughs> in the in the, in the the shadow of it, I've gone surfing. One of my many uh, uh, attempts and failures to successfully surf uh, was right below um, uh, Croke Patrick, Bertrand Strand uh, at Murrisk. But uh, Croke Patrick itself, obviously you've got Reek Sunday, the last Sunday in July. Yeah. Um, but regardless for those who do go up uh, for spiritual or fitness reasons for a few hours the view uh, is magnificent and at its, base, at its base also for those of us who don't go up at, uh, at the National Famine Memorial which is a very striking uh, monument there uh, depicting a coffin ship with skeleton bodies in the rigging uh, A lot of people as well now when they go to Westport go on the Greenway mm. Did you do it? Uh, I did not do it this time have before and it really I think it, it sold Greenways to the rest of the country Yeah didn't it? Uh, I mean it was on the Water Greenway this summer um, it you know 42 kilometres along the old Westport to Ackle uh, railway line with the countryside with the with the coastal uh, views and just the level of business that this generated yeah. and, the, and the vibrancy that this generated um, and to be slightly nerdy and to go into to railway matters the, the, the that Ackle railway line its first and last trains uh, were extraordinarily tragic the, the 1894 the very first train on that line uh, over 30 harvesters from Ackle drowned in Clue Bay 
and the first uh, train basically operated to bring the, the victims home. Uh, similarly, the last train, uh, Ackles, uh, there was a population uh, from Ackle who were killed in an, ac- an accident in Scotland and the very last train in that line, September 1937, also. Right, that's a bit of doom and gloom. I, I, I got engaged on the Greenway, you know. <laughs> so you were, yeah. well, if you'd known. Didn't realise my wedding is, my marriage is doomed. Uh, uh, I mean, getting out to Ackle itself, it's Ireland's largest offshore island. Uh, very, the Atlantic drive is, is spectacular. Also, if you're a more hearty cyclist, quite a few uh, cycling loops and trails there as well. Surfing for the very serious at Keel Beach and, and kite surfing too. Uh, pure magic are on both coasts there at Dolly Mount and uh, on Ackle as well Yeah it's a, it's it's an adventure an adventurous playground because Killery Fjord as well and the adventure centre up there that so many people go up to do and they run those uh, it was a turf guy is the thing it's on actually I think in the next couple of weeks oh, one right. of these adventure races uh, that, that, that I, I people went, go up I went, to twist ankles and, and of course you're, you're, we're, we're, people will be on to us now we're into Mayo-Galway border territory and people will claim one side or the other but they share obviously the, the, the fjord uh, the, Did you know yeah. uh, geologically both sides of the fjord are actually different. People right. would assume that there, it's geologically it's the same, but actually they're they're different. That's a whole other. <laughs> That's we will get anyway. deep. We will get deep into that. But uh, I remember going in fifth year in school to the Delphi Adventure Centre down around these parts, and you're, you're abseiling, you're kayaking. You've also obviously got the boat trips uh, on Killery itself. And as I say, cheating a bit and jumping into Galway. Um, the drive along uh, that area out to Tully Cross, where the, the wedding was for this particular uh, yeah. uh, ceremony of the weekend, it is stunning. And on what was in the morning, certainly quite an overcast and damp day. You know, it takes something sometimes for somewhere to look as good as it did. I mean, between the, the fjord itself, between the lake streams, the old bridges, uh, absolutely stunning. And Glassalon Beach there is a, a absolute postcard beach. So I'd recommend anyone to go there. As well, back towards the Mayo-Galway border as well is the town of Kong. Yes. Um, and Kong, you've, it's, a, it's a postcard Irish village. It's, at the, it's right between Loch Carb and Loch Mask. You have Kong Abbey, but there are two things that dominate Kong. Ashford Castle and the Quiet Man. Um, <laughs> and I mean, Ashford Castle, obviously one of the most exclusive hotels in the country, but it's grounds, it's right on the banks of Loch Carb. I think to get in, you have to be staying there. But there's 140 hectares, and again, I know, I can remember as a child the playground that it was but and then as an adult you appreciate the views the grounds, the, the walking trails but I mentioned The Quiet Man you know, tales of John Wayne abound in the area and it has to be said they have got so much out of uh, The Quiet Man in the area it's 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 almost vulgar at this stage <laughs> it, is, it is just an extraordinary I suppose. they have maintained decades later including the Quiet Man Museum and you can go out on cruises on Loch Carib as well you can and I'm going to give full disclosure here they are cousins of mine that run the uh, Carib oh cruises on, on Loch Carib to the famed 365 <laughs> uh, islands the Luskins there uh, uh, second generation operating that particular business so I of course would recommend it and also Congregation which is my second the second best named event in the country is a little festival that happens in Kong in November all about kind of innovation and the future uh, as a congregation, uh, second only to the lamented Clocktoberfest in Clock Jordan. Oh, Clocktober, <laughs> absolutely brilliant. Uh, tell me this as well. Um, in Mayo, like I remember we go- went off to play, like I'm from Kilkenny, and why mm. we were going off to Mayo to play a football tournament is beyond me. Down in Division 5, I think we, right. we beat Aberdeen in the final <laughs> okay. or something. Um, there wasn't another Irish team in our division. But we were brought out to the Cage of Fields, and mm. that's another b- big tourist attraction it, out there. It is, and it's considered the world's most extensive Stone Age monument. Uh, and it was discovered in the bogs there in the 1930s by, by Patrick Caulfield. 
um, who realised that this was something quite significant. But really, its development, his son Seamus uh, studied uh, uh, archaeology and um, in the 1970s, that excavation began. And it is basically the site of a 5,000 year old farming community um, laid out. And the visitor centre there, based on the discoveries there, and this is near near Ballycastle, uh, gives further insight into life at that at that time. Uh, another, I suppose, historic site there is the, the Museum of Country Life. It's near Castle Bar. It's part of the National Museum of Ireland. I really would recommend it because it's quite near history. It covers the famine era up to the 1950s. So, you know, in the great mass of time, quite a short time scale, but really an invaluable insight into rural life in you know some of the some of the poorest you know worst impacted parts of Ireland certainly by the famine, uh, and that is was one aspect of Mayo as well is that you know that history even Michael Davitt and the Michael Davitt Museum in Foxford you know the Land League and and, and all of that is near at hand, and, and something quite modern on the other side is at, at Ballycroy the Dark Sky Park, which I think particularly in a country like Ireland where we tend to plop houses anywhere we, we, we okay, feel. Okay, I know what you're talking about now, This yeah. is for the astronomers out there in that it is a very controlled area, um, Ballycroy National Park and, the, and Nelfin, that ensures that artificial light is kept to an absolute minimum and you have the most stunning night skies on those more frequent than you may think clear night skies you get in Mayo. All right, Barry, we'll try and send you somewhere a bit more exotic, even though it sounds like you enjoyed Mayo. You got the plugs in for the family as well. (laughs) Barry Kenny of Irish Rail, that's all we have time for on High Noon. I'll be back tomorrow at, well, noon, funnily enough.